Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. Today, our show is about effectively addressing values conflicts, and our guest is John Heiser. John, I am delighted that you are again joining us. John is the CEO of Lab Vantage Solutions Incorporated. Lab Vantage is a leading global developer of laboratory information management systems. And prior to joining Lab Vantage, John was the president and CEO of Magnetrol International, a global leader in development and manufacturing of level and flow process control equipment. So John began his career as an attorney in private practice before transitioning into business where he's held numerous leadership positions in legal, government affairs, sales, and marketing with DuPont, Merck Pharmaceutical, DuPont Pharmaceutical, Merck and & Company, and Bausch and & Lomb. He serves on the board of the International Leadership Association and Aspire Chicago. John earned his bachelor's degree in political science and sociology from the University of Iowa a JD from Tulane University, an MBA from Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern, and a PhD from the Center for Values-Driven Leadership at the Benedictine University. John is a frequent lecturer on the topic of values-driven leadership, leadership development, and change management. So today's session is going to talk about values conflict, how they arise in the workplace, and effectively raising and addressing those conflicts as they arise and how that leads to engagement, satisfied workforce, and how it drives superior performance. Giving voice to values provides a proven framework that can be implemented in a global context and also within smaller organizations. So John, I am delighted to have you back on the show. It's great to be back with you, Maureen. Anything you want to give with regard to background and context before we jump into the idea of giving voice to values? No, I think, you know, when we think about uh, conflicts, one of the things I've learned in my career is that we actually uh, experience values conflict in a workplace, I think, much more frequently than we may have expected. And I think the issue that we face as business leaders, I don't care about the size of the organization, is how do we effectively address those values conflicts early so that we can, we can one, manage through whatever the issue is, but also how do we make sure that we, by addressing those conflicts effectively, we keep our employees engaged? Because at the end of the day, in my view, engaged employees ultimately drive superior performance. Perfect. And I think that's the beautiful summary of everything we're going to talk about today. 
So what, what have been some of the detrimental aspects of values conflicts that you've seen in your personal leadership experience? Sure. I, I think where we see values conflicts, they come up in three, uh, I think, distinct contexts. The first is the obvious one, which is ethical uh, issues that may crop up in, in the workforce. And how do we make sure that when an employee experiences or sees an ethical issue, that they can raise it early on in a productive manner? So that's number one. The second context is away from this ethical perspective, but more in terms of continuous improvement. We see a lot, and I've heard this from employees in organizations that I've worked with is, look, I've got this great idea to improve this process or this workflow or whatever it is. I've raised it up to my supervisor management, and it never goes anywhere. And so I'm just tired of raising these opportunities. And so because of that, I've become dissatisfied or unengaged. And then the third context, I think, is really when we talk about change management opportunities. I think one of the biggest reasons change management uh, initiatives fail is because employees get um, concerned about how that change management initiative is affecting them personally. That causes some conflict to arise, and rather than dealing with that effectively, they become disengaged with it, which then ultimately leads to a failure in change management. So those are the sort of contexts that I've seen, and the result of that is I either have an unengaged worker who is just sitting there coming to work every day, just going through the motions, or they leave the organization. Both of those have a pretty significant detrimental effect on the organization. Well, especially now as we're looking at such tight labor market, having people leave is is tough to replace. So we can have – I uh, facilitate a CEO forum, and last night one of the conversations that seemed almost um, consistent across the group is we're turning customers away because we can't get right. enough of a trained workforce uh, to deliver. So we're having record demand and inability on the labor side to get it all done. I mean, that's a great, exactly right, Maureen. I mean, as a CEO, one of our biggest things is how do we attract the best talent? How do we assimilate that talent into the organization? And third, how do we retain? Values plays a key component of each one of those aspects, uh, attraction, assimilation, and retention. So let's shift then to this idea of giving voice to values. Can you describe the framework? And I want for our listeners to to kind of give the reminder that we talk about frameworks specifically because they give us repeatable processes and repeatable results. So, So as John is talking about this specific giving voice to values framework, I encourage everyone to think about how do you implement that in your organization? I think you hit it exactly on the point, Maureen, and that is a repeatable process. What giving voice to values does, it allows us to work that muscle memory of when we co- a, a, an ethical issue or a values conflict arises, we have this framework embedded in us to be able to address it then and productively. And so the way the framework uh, works is it starts with this idea of whenever I have a values conflict, I usually think there's some risk involved to me personally or to the organization. So how do I evaluate what that means for me and for the organization so that I can at least understand how critical this is or how impo- or, or how much of a conflict is going to arise as I bring it up? The second thing is it starts having me think about who do I need to make sure that I have engaged in this process 
to have a productive discussion? Is it just my supervisor? Do I need to have coworkers involved in this? And if I do, who do I need to have involved in that? The third aspect is I need to prepare for this discussion. In most ethical or values conflicts, we don't think about preparing for that discussion. It comes up in, the, in, in an instant, and we try to address it in an instant, or we ignore it in an instant rather than thinking through, let me practice how I want to present this um, issue forward. So we do the practice. And then the fourth component of that is, is to get allies involved as well. I like to put it this way. If you're going to come to present to me as CEO some big initiative you have, some change management process you want to do, you're going to be going through all those steps. You're going to anticipate the risk of whether this works or doesn't work. You're going to anticipate my questions. What am I going to ask you about? What points are going to be important for me? You're going to practice that presentation, I can guarantee you, so that when you come into that discussion with me, you're very prepared. And you've got your allies already in, in, uh, engaged with you to help support that. That's what the framework does. So it gives you an effective way to address, which can be some uh, difficult conversations to have. And it allows you to develop that muscle memory so that when you get into these situations, rather than just responding off the cuff, you can go back and kind of think uh, methodically about how do I want to present this. So it seems like foundational to that is I as an individual need to understand my values and and be connected with them. It's not an exercise I do once and I stick it in a drawer. And the organization needs to be clear about its values and and these are heartfelt conversations. This isn't a, uh, I go look at somebody's website and say, yeah, that looks like us too. No, that's exactly right. And the key is that alignment between your personal values and the organizational values. And, and where we get the most effective engagement and performance out of an organization is where those can be aligned as much as possible. And we know we have some universal values that apply, I don't care in what context you're in or what community you are in. Um, and if we can make sure things like trust, things like respect, those transcend cultures, those transcend levels of, of responsibility. Um, and so where we can align those two from an organizational perspective as well as an individual perspective, that's when we get the most uh, engaged and, and, and superior performance of an organization. It sounds easy. It's not. But this is a framework that helps us get that alignment. So, John, when you took over as CEO of LabVantage, my assumption is you did some exercise like this, that you had your own personal values given your Ph.D. work, and you validated those with the organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that process sure. of how you validated your own and how how you helped the organization come into alignment with who you are and what you believe? Yeah, the first thing I did is I actually spent a lot of time talking first with my direct reports, uh, and I asked a number of questions, and, and, and these kind of questions get to that values perspective. The first is, when we're at our best, what does that look like, and what should we continue to do to continue to drive that? The second one is, what do you think the organization needs to stop doing uh, to make sure that we can uh, succeed in that core strength that we're doing? The third is, what are you most afraid I'm going to do? Um, as the new CEO of the organization. The fourth question I asked was, what is the one thing you're hoping that I do do? 
And then the fifth one that really, I think, sparked the dialogue in terms of values the most was, what's the purpose of this organization? And I asked that of my uh, direct reports, but I also went out and asked that of the broader organization. And I sat with members both at the, the management level and then at the employee level and asked those same questions. And I think that really starts to get to the heart of the values that the organization has, as well as is that aligned with our personal values. Now, the other thing is I have three core values that we talked about at the organization. The first is performance, no excuses. We're um, values-driven, um, uh, solutions-oriented. I'm very clear that I don't say results, no excuses, because I think that leads to bad behavior. But we know to be a flourishing organization, we have commitments that we make to our customers, our employees and our owners. And so we have to make sure if we're going to flourish that we meet those obligations and expectations and objectives. The second core value is everybody deserves special treatment. What I mean by that, and it goes right to the heart of what we're talking about, Maureen, is that we have to figure out a way to understand that you as a human being walk into the to Lab Vantage or whatever your organization is. We cannot expect you to leave who you are at the door. It just doesn't work. So what we have to do is to figure out how do we align you and your values to that of the organization. And we do that through respect. We do that through uh, understanding that we're not going to tell you to stop being who you are. We just have to make sure that your value system works with the values we're trying to create as an organization. And the third is business is a social institution. I truly believe that business is a, has a perfect opportunity to, to maximize value for the firm, but also cr to create real value for society. So those three core values are what we're trying to implement and are implementing at LabVantage. And it's, it's been a roadmap for me throughout my career. So when you were at Magnetrol, I remember talking about uh, your connecting with, I think it was autistic kids, yes. autistic adults, and create, building a workforce to handle call center work. Uh, so that value on being a social institution and and integrating it into being a profitable business really played out beautifully there. And I'm wondering, uh, it seems like that is, has been consistent for your career, how is that playing out at Lab Vantage? Well, we're still we're still working that process through. You know, the thing that we did at Magnus wasn't actually a call center; it was actually finding um, uh, jobs that were very rote. Okay. That that I was losing people because they either got burned out or they were making mistakes. And we found that people on the autism spectrum could come in and do that role extremely well. They don't make mistakes, and the, they're there every day. And the way their mind works, they can do that job very successfully. So we were looking at placing folks like that. We have opportunities like that here at LabVantage. We're looking at that as an opportunity. You know, we're in some very diverse um, cultures, and so we're looking at how do we, you know, part of that is, you know, we have an obligation to the communities in which we live, work, and operate. How do we make sure of what we're doing in terms of the wages we pay, um, the, the opportunities and benefits that we provide our employees, meet that within the community, and then how do we help the community flourish as well where we're at? So we're looking at those opportunities. I've been at LabVantage about 10 months, and so we're still working through where those opportunities exist. But the beauty of that is we do have an organization that is already, and I have an ownership structure or, or group that values that core value. Back to the question about how did I get aligned with it, that was one of the big things that brought me to LabVantage is that the ownership uh, here at LabVantage believes in that as well. And so we're finding those types of opportunities right now. 
thank you for sharing, one, the alignment between the ownership, your values, and your team's values, and also for clarifying the social piece, because I, I assume some of our listeners' uh, hair goes on end when we talk about maximizing social value. Right. And, and, um, and, to me, and, it's got to be clear. It also, you know, it's about maximizing the value of the firm, but if we can look strategically in how we align that with creating value for society, it, it, it may not be as hard as we think. Um, and that's the point there. And I've, I worked for a CEO early in my career who, who did this very effectively. Um, and it, it, it ended up really engaging the workforce. Well, and that's why I asked the question, because I know you and I know what it means for you. And I wanted our listeners to hear more in depth what you mean by that. So as we go on break, I would encourage our listeners to think about are you clear about your personal values and do you know the values of your organization? And do those values cause you to be more engaged and more excited to go to work or do they cause you to, to park, your, park your brain at the door or park your heart at the door so you can go get a paycheck and go home and do stuff you care about? So we will be back momentarily. You are listening to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with John Heiser and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about effectively addressing values conflicts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership. 
co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leaders, Co-Creating Your Future. We're talking about the Giving Voice to Values framework. So, John, during break, we were talking a little bit more about the framework and specifically how you've implemented it. Can you share with our listeners more about the, the framework itself. You did a great job in the first segment about walking us through it. Uh, walk us through how you've implemented it in a global context. Yeah, it, at my previous company, we actually uh, made a determination. We were going through some, some, well, two things prompted me to do this. The first is when I became CEO, I went on uh, a listening tour of the organization, and I kept hearing a lot of what I talked about at the at the beginning, that, you know, John, we've had these great ideas, or I had this great idea to improve this process or, you know, help the organization in this respect, and I just felt like I wasn't being heard, so I decided I'm just not going to engage anymore on it. And then the second thing was we were going through some change initiatives that were transforming the organization, and so I knew my sense was there were some value conflicts coming up from that, and so I needed a framework to address both those contexts. So for me, while the ethics piece is the easy one to say, look, we we need to have something like a giving voice to values, the beauty for me of giving voice to values is is the broader context in terms of, you know, how do we make sure that we're doing change initiatives, that we're addressing conflicts. So I had become exposed to giving voice to values as part of my Ph.D. program. And so I worked with Mary Gentili, who is the founder of, of giving voice to values and is a professor at the University of, at Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia. And I had her come in and and train our executive team on giving voice to values. Now, at the time, the organization was based in the U.S., big, and it's a manufacturing company, so I had office and factory workers um, that were involved throughout the organization. So we were based in the Chicago area, and we had significant manufacturing facilities in Belgium and in China. And so in my view, if we were going to do this effectively, um, we needed to roll out giving voice to values to the entire organization. And so in working with Mary Gentili, what we did was we did a two-pronged approach. The first was an online cohort-based um, framework that exposed people to the framework of giving voice to values Again, it was a cohort-based um, uh, online training group facility with seven manuals that you would go through. Um, and the beauty of that is it exposed you to giving voice to values, the framework, without making it company-specific. And I thought that was important to start to build the trust around why are we doing this and, and get people familiar with it without being either afraid or, or discouraged about participating if we made it to company specific. So we took that online content, we translated it into English, Spanish, uh, Flemish, and Mandarin. And we had the whole organization go through that, and we divided them up into different groups. And in some cases, we mixed management with employees. In some cases, we, we uh, did just manufacturing, just office. And in some cases, we, we um, combined those groups as well. And we, if we have time, I can get into why we did that, but it was interesting. And so we went through that, the online training. And then I, as CEO of the company, went out to every single organization and took 
things that I had seen coming through the online content, because since it was a cohort-based, there was a lot of discussion back and forth. And I took the framework and I, I made it more company-specific. And so I did the exact same training program in the U.S. I then went to Europe and did it, and then I went to China and did it. Um, and we just walked through each component of the framework. We allowed people to talk about how it applied to the organization. And we gave um, examples of that were not company-specific, but were issues that could be company-specific. And we had them practice how they would approach it. And the beauty of this is, again, we did it in each, um, each location, including China, where everything was done in Mandarin. I was... Uh, blessed with the fact that we had an instructor who was well-versed in giving voice to values and was able to do it. And I have a funny example of how that worked in, in China that I'll share with you in a minute. But the beauty of this is I was able to actually get really good data about who participated, how it was participated, uh, who, you know, how the participation went, who were the influencers within that, so that when I got into the live version, I could hone in on some areas that I wanted to make sure we did. The China example I wanted to share was, and this is verbatim what happened. So it's factory and office workers, and I had, uh, and this was all in Mandarin that was being translated for me as they were talking. The first question we got was from one of our factory workers, and he said, and I quote, is this just another example of Western propaganda being thrown down our throats? I thought that wow. was a beautiful question to start with. And luckily, I had a facilitator who was able to address that right off the bat. And he said, number one, President Xi has got a big initiative going on about how do we become more ethical and address ethical issues within China. So it's consistent with that. Number two, we have universal values that matter to all of us, trust, respect. And so he was able to convey that. And the third, he says, look, you work for a Western company, you need to understand Western values, and you need to make sure that as we move forward as an organization that you understand that and are aligned with that. I'm telling you, Maureen, the discussion changed right then. It was the most effective group that I had as we rolled it out, and it went beautifully. But you can see where you, what you hear a lot of times as well, the values are different in different cultures, um, you know, how they, they conveyed are different. What I found in our, our context was that, again, there are universal values. These conflicts were actually coming up. One of the things we learned, too, is that people were experiencing values conflicts at least once a week, if not more, at, you know, when they came to work. It wasn't one of these things that just came up every now and then. It was frequent. And so having a framework now to deal with that was important. And so we heard that in our associate satisfaction surveys coming back, and we started to see that with the level of engagement as a result. So that's an example of how we did it. I think it's a great way to roll it out to a global organization. So it sounds like the values were relatively consistent across the company. That was going to be one of my big questions. It Are was, they different in different started, countries? Those three core values that I talked about a little while ago, we had, start, we had implemented at Magnetrol. And so people started to get engaged around those to begin with. And, and the, the company was a family-owned company, and so we had a lot of what I'll call you know, that sense of commitment to each other, that sense of respect and trust. What had happened, though, is I think at, in certain contexts, there was, there was a little bit of misalignment that we needed to get addressed um, from those examples that I talked about. One was just, I've, I've put these ideas out there, but nobody listens to me, so I've just become unengaged. And, you know, we were going through some transformation uh, initiatives, and people were concerned about some of that, and so we had to address that. And I think as we did that, 
this gave us a framework to get those out on the table and discussed. So you mentioned people were having values conflicts every week when they went into work. Can you give yep. a couple specific examples of that? I think it's, it's what I was talking about. You know, I, I brought this idea up to my supervisor. You know, they said they'd look into it. I never heard back. I went again. I never heard back. It was things like that. Or I saw something. I saw something that I thought needed to be addressed. I went and talked to somebody. I was told, look, just get it through. Somebody will catch it down the road. You know, these kinds of things that were coming up. Or we were going through these change initiatives and people were concerned about, you know, how is this going to impact me personally? What is it going to do for my job? Is this the right thing for the company? Because you know what, here's how we've been doing this for the last 15 years. That seemed to work pretty well. Why now the need for this? And so that was causing people to have conflicts in terms of, you know, does my opinion matter? Do you know, Mm -hmm. can I be the most effective that I want to be? It was, I would say more in that frame. And this gave us an opportunity to sort of talk that through as an organization, and which, which is why I thought it was important that I went out and did this at every single organization, and I didn't rely just on local management to do it. They needed to hear from me that this was important and how we were going to implement it. So during our prep call, we talked about how does this play with digital transformation when we are asking people to change significantly how they do their work, uh, and people's jobs are changing. There is no question about that. How does this giving voice to values align with significant digital transformation that has to happen in our current workplace? Yeah, I think the one thing you see with employees in digital transformation is a is fear, fear that I'm gonna, you know, that you're not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna have enough work, fear that you're gonna outsource my job, fear that I'm not gonna be able to understand where you're going with this, and so am I gonna be able to keep up? Um, and to me, what fear ultimately goes to is two things. One is trust. Do I trust that you're doing the right thing for me and the organization? Do I have trust that if I do have an issue, you will listen to me and help me work through it? Um, And that, again, drives loyalty. I think the other thing it does is respect. Do you respect me as an individual? Do I respect you as an individual in an organization? How do we make sure that stays aligned during during which during the process of taking something that I've done for many years and now you're you're sort of using digital tech technology to make that more effective, efficient, or whatever. And I think that's where the values conflicts come up. And, and we've got to find a way, and I think giving voice to values provides that framework where we can have that discussion, where we can, you can raise it in a way that is productive rather than either just shutting down and not raising it or raising it in an unproductive manner um, in, in, in a way that doesn't really get it addressed because I'll guarantee you're not the only one feeling that way. And so how do we make sure that collectively we solve this issue together to make sure that you understand why is the organization going this way and how does it fit into the vision and the values that we have? And two, what does that mean for you and how do we make sure that you stay aligned with that? Giving voice to values to me is the framework that allows us to have that discussion. Well, and it seems like one of the missing pieces. So I did an interview recently, and and part of the conversation was 70% of digital transformations fail. Not surprising since, you know, having been in the transformation world for for a couple of decades now, 70% of all transformations have failed. And the voice to values seems like one of the critical missing pieces 
many of us are worried about keeping up. I'm worried about keeping right. up, and I stay really current. But will I be able to continue to do that for the next decade or two? Uh, will My job is going to change, no doubt. But what does that mean for my daily life and things that I define myself by, that I'm good at X? Will a, will a robot or a machine do that? And how? what's my value going to be going forward? Am I going to be a greeter at Walmart? Or am right. I going to be able to keep my... Uh, more prestigious role. What, what I've issue. seen in these in, in these situations, you're right. I mean, the, the data is clear that most transformations, digital transformations, or any organizational transformation fail. And I think the reason they do in a lot of cases is because people are fearful and they they want to understand what does this mean for me, and and how where am I going to fit in afterwards and. Two things usually happen. Either I'm afraid to raise that because I'm going to be viewed as disgruntled or not on board or somehow, you know, a, a negative employee, or I'm going to try to present it, but I don't know how to do that in a way that articulates my point that we can now have that discussion. And so I think what giving voice to values does is it allows for that trust to come through because I understand that if I raise this, people are going to listen and they're going to hopefully mm-hmm. come back. And it may not ultimately be exactly what I want to hear, but at least I know I have been heard, right? Because that's usually the issue is I don't feel mm-hmm. like I've been heard. And, and so giving voice to values is that framework. Now, hopefully we'll talk about in a few minutes what are the things that I've learned also as we've implemented this uh, what are some of the things that I think are critical to make sure that that happens? Because we've talked a lot about how do I raise the discussion and how do I make it productive, but there's components to that in terms of the receiver that I think is, is important that if this is going to be successful, we have to make sure that we're, we're doing. So let's end this segment with that. We've got about two and a half more minutes in this segment, and then we'll pick up that conversation in the next one. Great. So, so, um, what have you learned and how, yeah, let's just talk about what have you learned in the next couple of minutes. I think for me, you know, again, what I have learned is when you do this effectively and you, and the key is it has to start with the senior leadership. Um, and, and one of the things that I've learned is that sometimes it's, it. You know, when you you talk about giving voice to values, because a lot of times there's an ethical uh, context to that, people get nervous, particularly senior leaders. Am I going to create this culture of of all these whistleblowers and all that? What I have found is that by having a framework like giving voice to values, you don't get to the point where it becomes this culture of now you're going to get all these complaints, you're going to get all of these um, issues raised that now we're going to have to deal with. In fact, what I have found with giving voice to values is that it, 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 it almost, it doesn't eliminate it, but it does prevent that from going up because it gets addressed in the moment. It gets addressed at the level that it should be getting addressed so it doesn't become a major issue. Um, people then feel heard. They feel like they've gotten to raise the, the, the conflict that they've had, that at least it's been heard and addressed, whether ultimately it, it gets resolved the way they wanted it, at least it's been addressed. And I think that then drives that level of trust. And if you think about trust, humility, respect, those are the things that ultimately drive engagement with employees. That's where you start to drive that alignment between your individual values and the organization's values. And to me, that's the learning that comes out of that. 
Now, we can talk about some challenges there that have to be uh, addressed, and I can give some examples of that. But, uh, but to me, that's what I've learned mostly about giving voice to values is it really drives that alignment between personal values and organizational values. And when you do that, the trust level within an organization goes up. And once you, you have that level of trust in the organization, that's where engagement really starts to be driven. So I think that's a great way to end this segment, and we will come back and talk about challenges. One of the things I heard that seems foundational is when people raise concerns, it doesn't mean that they get their way. It means we hear them, we're aware, we respond, and in some cases, the concerns aren't resolved. Uh, And I have heard clients say this just gives voice for a bunch of whining, and I don't hear you saying that at all. Some of these are really valid concerns, and they need to be addressed, and it doesn't mean they get their way. No, I think that's that's a great point, Maureen. To me, mostly what people want is to feel like at least they've been heard. And if you can come back to them and say, look, we looked into this. Here's the reasons why we can't do what you're suggesting, or here's the reasons why this works rather than that. Um, That's mostly what people want to understand, because what that does is then it sparks a dialogue back with them to say, okay, I see that. Hey, here's another path we can go that may even be better. So you start back into that improvement process by having that back and forth. Um, and, and to me, that's the critical piece. What I hear mostly from employees is, I just want to make sure I'm heard. I get it that the organization may, and, and I've had examples of this where I've sat down with folks and said, look, I appreciate you bringing this up. This is why we have to go this route. You're, you, I have a bigger picture that we're looking at. As long as you can articulate it, most of the time, they're going to say yes. Now, there are cases where People say, you know what, it's not what I wanted to hear. And where you don't have that alignment, in a lot of cases, people are going to leave. And and that may not be a bad thing in that situation if you can't get aligned. But in most cases, my experience has been if you're willing to at least go back and, and talk to the person about why a decision was made, in, in most cases, they're going to at least feel respected that you came back and talked to them about it and that they now understand it. They may not agree with it, but they do understand it, and that can lead to trust as well. Great. So on that note, we're going to take a break. And for our listeners during this break, I would encourage you to think about where, how do you create the opportunity for people to raise values conflicts or how could you create it if you don't have it today? So this is Maureen Metcalf and John Heiser, and we're talking about the importance of giving voice to values framework. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. 
Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to focus on the big picture. But a growing business requires compliance, regulations, tax issues, and more. Listen to Candy Messer and BizHelp for you. Our program takes the guesswork out of the equation in order to give you the answers and peace of mind. From payroll to labor laws to entrepreneurial tips, you'll find something new with each week's episode. BizHelp for You can be heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Your Future. This is Maureen Metcalf and John Heiser. And John, I love your passion about this topic of giving voice to values and how how effectively you've implemented it and the depth with, with which you can talk about it. Before break, we were talking about some of the lessons learned and the challenges. Can you talk about some of the challenges you either faced at Magnetrol or at LabVantage in implementing this and what can our listeners kind of anticipate and proactively address? Yeah, I think, I think for me, the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity for success or the biggest um, precursor to failure is middle management. And what I mean by that, if you think about, we've talked a lot about the framework of how do I raise these issues effectively and productively. Well, I usually raise those to a supervisor or a manager, and I think what's key to giving voice to values is that a manager is receptive to hearing it, and a manager understands the the framework of giving voice to values and and is willing to, to listen, engage with the employee, and actually do their um, implement giving voice to values from their perspective, which is, okay, I've now heard this. What do I do with it? How do I address it? How do I utilize the framework and make sure that I get back to the employee? What we found in, in, in Magnetrol, we implemented this, and where I found this in other organizations, is that's the critical component. And it's been interesting for me, when you have managers that get that and, and can relate to their employees when these conflicts come up, through the giving voice to values voice to values framework and get addressed effectively by that manager that's where we see the engagement and we've seen where managers are really good at that and we've seen where managers are not good at that and so one of the things i've been working with mary on post these implementations is how do we do uh, a training with managers specifically because it's a little bit different uh, context and perspective uh, in terms of how you receive it and then address it well, and that seems foundational in that many managers aren't comfortable with conflict. 
This is clearly, if it's a values conflict, it's a personal, uh, something they, in many cases, feel deeply. And the manager has to be comfortable with the the ambiguity that that raises and the the feelings, because I'm assuming this doesn't, to your point, always get raised in a very gracious and diplomatic way. They're angry or hurt or scared. And the manager has to be competent in dealing with those emotions coming at them in a way that isn't always pretty. Right. So what we, we've done, we did it at my previous company we're doing here at LaVantage, is we're rolling this into our management development training programs um, in terms of, as a manager, how do you implement giving voice to values? And part of the big skill set there is what you're going to, what you were alluding to in your comments was listening. And that's where humility and empathy and those what I'll call soft skills, although I hate that phrase, mm-hmm. um, come into play and are critical for managers to be successful. Um, so humility, compassion, empathy become important components if we're going to actually do giving voice to values. And some people say, well, you know, does that diminish my role as a manager? I would argue the opposite. I think it actually makes you more effective and, and actually a better manager. And what we've seen, what I've seen personally, is when we have managers that are effective at that, um, they they really do do better in their role. They're more successful in their role because their team supports them um, and their teams um, rally with them. And they, and again, from a performance perspective, we see that go up. So we've started dialing, giving voice to values from a manager's perspective into our management development program. Well, and this is where my work kind of intersects, I think. The idea that we are innovating or updating our mindsets about what does good leadership and management look like. And we are turning what was conventionally seen as good as as our society evolves. It, it That becomes table stakes. And now I need to do that and add humility and and the ability to collaborate innately and understand something like a values conflict and think through how does that ripple through the system. And and those were skills that weren't necessarily required of all mid-managers and, and frankly, often not required of senior execs. It was command and control. I've got the answer and I'll tell you what to do. Exactly. And so what we're suggesting is we need to get away from that transactional relationship with our employees and get to a more uh, aligned uh, engagement with our employees. And and what we have found is that managers and supervisors who can do that and do it effectively are usually your best and most productive uh, managers as well as departments. And so that's an area we've started to really focus in on from a skill set standpoint in our management development program. Because I think, as you point out, those skill sets are actually becoming more important. And the work, back to your talent piece, what I'm finding is that the, the talent that we're now going after and trying to attract, assimilate, and retain are demanding that type of manager or leader. So, it, you know, people can argue with me about that. The other thing that that we're learning on this too, Maureen, that goes right to that point, is reframing that discussion. As you point out or allude to, these discussions can go negative pretty quickly. And so mm-hmm. what we're teaching our managers is how do you reframe, reframe the discussion into a more um, either positive or at least in terms of a more interactive engagement rather than just 
you know, you're wrong or, or here's all the reasons that that doesn't work or whatever. It, it teaches us to reframe that in a way that is more receptive um, and, and can be dealt with productively rather than going negative. Well, and I'm, again, guessing that if I feel like my values are at risk, I, especially as a, a young employee who just doesn't have much skill in this space yet, I'm either scared, angry, hurt, and I could come in. You talked earlier about practicing. How do I yep. practice this conversation before I go in and blast right. my boss? And I've, I've been on the side of the, the thought partner with the boss when someone will come into my office, a, a C-level exec, and say, what the heck just happened? Does that guy right. think that's a good idea? And it was not that the idea was bad. The presentation was so noxious that the employees started to look like a problem. So right. the fact that, that you're training managers to say, okay, that clearly we need to work on your delivery, but the point is raising the values conflict. That's the goal. And the manager is then responsible for reframing, moving it to positive, seeing the benefit in, in this interaction, even if it, it is not well polished. It, polish isn't the point. Get it, raising the issue is the point. Especially right, when and just taking the time to listen. I mean, that, that's usually mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, too, is a big issue is, you know, I went and raised this, and they're like, I'm busy right now. You know, I'll get, I'll get to you whenever. And I think as an avoidance mechanism, and some, I mean, everybody's busy, right? But yeah. taking that time to listen is half the battle that, that, um, that I think limits the ability to implement giving voice to values in the way it should be. And so part of what we train our managers around is, you know, taking the time to at least have the discussion. Um, now, it's incumbent upon the employee to say, you know, um, you know, to hit you right when you walk in the door, hey, I got this huge conflict, I want to hit you. Well, wait a minute, let me have a cup of coffee first. <laughs> yeah. You've got to pick the right moment on their side, too. But managers, yeah. if they, you know, they need to schedule the time to be able to listen, too. So that was part of it. Well, and that's where the idea of presence comes in. You know, I think exactly. of what we teach now is presence versus early in my career, I had a boss who had an egg timer on his desk, and he would say, <laughs> when the sand runs out, you're out of my office. Um, exactly. <laughs> complete lack of, I mean, if it's a complex issue, I might, I might need longer than that sand gives me. Uh, and he had, a, in some cases, reasonable point, but how do I turn off my devices and give attention to the person who is one of your values that these are precious human beings who are facing a challenge (laughs) how do I treat them as such even when I'd rather be drinking my coffee and reading the newspaper well it's understanding how much time am I going to need to address this so for example if it's something then you say oh look this is going to need a lot more time why don't we schedule some time and do it you Mm -hmm. know so that you're actually present as well and, and I think that goes a long way because some of these can be addressed quickly. Some of these are going to take more time. And so as a manager, you have to gauge that, I think, and learn to gauge that. And then if you need to take the time, go ahead and schedule it. It's okay to say, look, I don't have the time right now, but let's go ahead right now and schedule this so that we can um, address it. And I think, I think that goes a long way. You know, I take a, like the doctor situation where you have physicians that just get in, get out, and you're done. And you always leave mm-hmm. a little bit 
well, did I really get my problem addressed or not? Whereas a physician who will actually take the time and talk with you a little bit so that you don't feel like mm-hmm. you're just a cog, you know, in their, in their machine and you're going to interrupt their day. They actually take a little bit of time to listen. And you feel better when you come out of that interaction than you did maybe going in or, or if the interaction was just, you're bothering me, please leave. Um, and so I think it's a similar kind of or analogous kind of situation. Well, and there's a way to say that that is, exactly. I really value what, you're, what you've got to say, and I'm in the middle of a deadline. Can we schedule when I can give you my full attention? And I would anticipate that most people would respond at least tolerably to that. I think, bar none, they would. You know, and the other, the only other point I'll make on this is it's important for senior leaders, the executive team, the CEO, and, and their direct reports, that if you're going to talk about giving voice to values, then you actually need to practice it as well. Um, and I think, you know, because employees take their cue from us. They take their cue from me as the CEO. Um, yeah, John, you know, you can either get, yeah, John talks a big game, but, you know, I went and tried to talk to him, and he didn't have any time for me, versus... And, you know, my time, I got a lot going on, but you have to act on the values that you're talking about or expecting the organization to do as well, which is one of the reasons why I took the time to roll this out to the organization rather than just sending it to HR or somebody else to do. I felt it was important for them to hear it from me and to see it from me as opposed to, because then that helps also with your management team that if you're practicing it, if you're the symbol of this is how we're going to do it, a lot of cases your management team will follow your lead, and I think that's mm-hmm. important as well. I think that's a great point to end on. Uh, so research and experience are showing that values conflicts arise at work frequently, especially with the rate of change we have, and the inability or unwillingness or just lack of skill to address these conflicts can cause detrimental consequences for um, organizations in terms of ethical violations, um, engagement, employee retention, so, so all of those areas. And this framework is brilliant in helping prepare folks to effectively and productively raise the issues and the conflicts as they arise. And you've mentioned beautifully, CEO, senior execs need to be involved, need strong training, um, need to ensure that middle managers have have the opportunity to practice. So in the last minute, uh, is there anything, how would people learn more about this? How would they learn more about what you're doing? Yep. Um, you, you can certainly get a hold of me and ask me questions. And I, I lecture a lot about this and, and uh, present a lot on it. The other place to go to, if you just Google giving voice to values, um, you'll be directed to the um, site at, uh, at Darden School of Business um, at the University of Virginia. It's a great site. It has all of this. And Mary Gentili, who is the, the founder uh, of Giving Voice to Values, is always open and willing to address any questions. And again, you can find her if you Google Giving Voice to Values, uh, it'll come up. And she's very receptive and, and is always willing to help people implement this framework. John, thank you for being such a beautiful example of this. So for our listeners, please do reach out to John. Please do think about how are you doing this in your own world? How do your values differ from Magnetrol and LabVantage? And is this something you are willing to take on? 
I would love to hear your feedback. Email me at info at innovateleader.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Just send me a message that says you are a listener and I would love to connect. Or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. We love to hear your feedback and we do put it into action. So let us know what you're learning, what you'd like to see more or less of, and we will take it to heart. As John said, we may not do exactly everything you are recommending, but the feedback informs the choices that we make and we'll make better choices if we hear from you. So thank you so much for listening and we hope that you will join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.